Hey everyone, just a quick um, explanation before we begin this week's podcast. There was a slight problem for the first 15 minutes or so. Um, that was a, my own fault. Uh, I apologize for the slight bit of sound interference coming um, from the podcast, uh, but it clears up after that. Um, I hope you enjoy it and have a good day. Bye. Hello, I'm Derek Wheatley and welcome to episode 53 of the Weekly Weekly Podcast. A big thank you to um, Anya Daly uh, for coming on last week. A great chat about the the Athlone Institute technology, what they're doing and the plans out there. She's obviously the president. Go back if you uh, go back and listen if you haven't done so already. Um, I'd also like to thank everyone for the likes and support and shares and all that. I know I thank you every week, but it's very important and it's uh, we appreciate it an awful lot, myself and John. Um, the live and joyful thing, obviously, on Instagram is an ongoing... Uh, project um during the lockdown anyway we're going to keep it going and see who we can get on and it's good it's enjoyable it's a different thing than the regular podcast that we're doing so it's it's something but i think that's all for me for this week but so um, i'm going to introduce my guest he is a science officer um of the herpetological society of ireland and a zoology research associate at trinity college and his name is collie ennis how are you doing collie i'm good but i'm good how are you do you know i'm all right i i I don't want to go too much on about this, right? But I, I was, I was told to have um, vertigo the other day, and I, right. So for, I thought vertigo, in my limited knowledge, I thought it was just uh, you get a bit dizzy and stuff. But I didn't realize the amount of like um, nausea that comes with it, and like headaches and tiredness and everything, and it's pretty miserable. Yeah, my friend had it for well, a couple of years ago, and he was in a heap with it. So yeah, I sympathize, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's one of those ones where, and I dis, and it's disappointing that I'm missing train and not able to go for a run and stuff. That's always kind of adds to it and stuff. But let's not. Well, I was going to say let's not start it down, and we already have. <laughs> but let's pick it up from here. Kali, <laughs> uh, give us a short history of your upbringing, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I grew up in uh, Crumlin, which is a pretty uh, working class area of Dublin. Um, have a brother and a sister. My dad. My dad was an electrician, my mum uh, was a housewife, and uh, yeah, just a normal upbringing, real regular. Uh, after after school, I went to art college, I was very much into art, and wanted to be a comic book artist, or a, uh, and went to, to do uh, a year of art college, which was brilliant, but um, it wasn't paying my bills and I was watching all my mates and really around me kind of getting on, getting various, you know what I mean, doing all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, so I just, I packed that in and I went off and got a trade as as most lads in the area would do. And I, I hated it. I really did. didn't like it. I love working with the sites and the crack and all that, but it, there was no creativity. And after being fairly creative and, and, and of course, being into nature and and mm. which I always had since I was a kid, I was that was a big part of my upbringing. Having the garden with frogs and ponds and going from that kind of stuff, art and and, and nature to concrete and steel was just pretty pretty crappy to be honest with you. So mm. I ended up doing that for you know at the end of the day, it paid for my my. I meant to have a good life and not complain. It wasn't what I was passionate about, to be honest with you. So, um, so anyway, fate stepped in and crash happened. Um, the Celtic Tiger was cold and uh, I ended up looking for a job because I I'd, I'd no I'd options really. Uh, all the sites weren't hiring and it just, it just wasn't on the cards for me. I was teaching uh, karate and kickboxing in trinity college the students at the time right and i saw an advertisement in there yeah i saw an advertisement in there saying that they needed um summer cover for security so i applied i got the gig i was there for six months i thought until things picked up and go back to the sites but i end up staying <laughs> i end up staying I'm there well 15 years now um right. And, and during that time, I uh, I kind of did a bit of a goodwill hunting around. Uh, there's a part 
and start talking because they would have had a common interest in animal nature. And I had, I had, I've always had a collection of spiders and frogs and scorpions and stuff like that, and I'm very passionate about learning about them. So yeah, I got to talk to the, the folks in zoology who were patient and, and sound with me and into it. And eventually then I started doing public outreach with them, bringing in animals to show the students, um, kind of the Hagrid gig in Trinity, um, showing them how, how to handle various animals and stuff like that. Um, then I got... Uh, given the title of research associate and then I started getting heavier into like going abroad with Africa and you know I've, I've, I've worked on various projects over the years with with, with the student staff in the college I'm 10 years doing that now uh, which is very very cool Wow, it's a, yeah, that's it's so interesting to hear what you're talking about like the st- the concrete and the steel and the difference to what you were I suppose um, in, to do with science and nature and that kind of thing that you're into. It's interesting kind of um, idea that you would move between the two and then back again to what you're, you know, what you are now. Um, so, what, Colin, when did you first become aware of uh, mental health? Um, I would, I, you know, I think the first time um, was when I had a bit of a bad patch myself a few years ago. Um, just life, uh, nothing, nothing specific, just a... Uh, 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 Things get on top of me, and I suppose looking back, learn more about it. Uh, you look back in your life, and you realise that I've always been dealing with it, and using coping mechanisms, as as they say, um, whether it be sport, doing doing martial arts, or whether it be getting out fishing and, and or going out in nature collecting bugs or art, and these are all coping mechanisms mm. mechanisms with me, um. And work very well, but I think I just reached a point where that wasn't working for me with life and pressure and everything. And so I, I ended up, I, I went to my GP and I talked to my PA um, after it got a little bit too much for me. And um, I, I went I, I went on some medication for a while just to get me over the hump. And then I um, I started trying to discipline myself more. What 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 had what had happened to me essentially was I went I drifted away from stuff that was healthy and yeah. good, and I drifted more into like once a night going or once a week going out to the pub to have the crack with the lads was was turned into like three times a week, and mm. um, that I was you know. It, 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 it 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 was just that that was taking over part of my life where I should have been doing healthier things. You know, I'm not saying that anyone should, you shouldn't go out to the pub. I think that's really part of mix and going with your friends. I think that's cool. I think you also need to do stuff that's healthy for you on your own. And I was long and short of it was I was drifting away from that. So I got the help I needed and I started to discipline myself more towards what me and my life which sounds weird because it was stuff that I was passionate about and I loved doing but I had to really kind of force myself back into doing it like you know it, 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 it was such a strange time but uh, yeah I've kind of, you know, uh, every often if I feel a bit low I'll pick up the phone to somebody especially my GP is great so I like, just pick up the phone and say, "Listen, um, uh, I, I I might I might need some help here, or, or and we'll just discuss it and see what what the best option is." But most time uh, since then, I've been fairly good. I mean, like uh, I've got a great bunch of friends around me who understand when I go off the radar. I'm not being rude. I just mm. need a bit of space to myself, and also. I can talk to them about um, when, when it when it when it comes up, and um, my family are very understanding as well. So yeah, I mean it's it's not something it's not something I like. Uh, I'm very much I try not for it not to define me as a person. I don't really talk. This is very strange for me to talk about. I've never talked about this stuff in public. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, and I'm a pretty person and a clown. 
and I suppose a lot of people might be uh, might find it strange to think, but like it just goes to show, like looking at other people. I'm, I know sometimes I look at people and I say, I wonder what's going on behind the the mask there, you know. Um, but uh, I think we all do. But but yeah, it's it's not something I like to 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 over talk about or over but but it doesn't define me. You know, yeah, exactly. Like we, like obviously, appreciate you coming on to chat about that. If it's not something you talk about too uh, regularly, you know, and I, I get what you're saying. There is this thing that there's kind of a since I started doing this, I've noticed a line of people saying something similar to where when they're when they're really feeling down or really feeling anxious or whatever it might be that even the things that they love doing, they have to force themselves to do it. It's it's you know like the brain is telling you to stay where you are like the depression or, or the anxiety is telling you to stay where you are like you're you're going to stay here and that's it you're not going to move back into to what you love like whether it's watching films or what whatever it might be and it's really strange and yeah. all, a lot of people are saying the same thing so it's kind of interesting to see that we do have to force ourselves back into it like you're, it's a very positive thing you're saying about your friends though and your, your family um i could say the same thing for, uh, for myself and others have said it and I just feel for the people who don't have that at the moment, and I hope that they can find it somewhere that they can come out, have a chat with, with a friend or a family member and go from there, you know. But um, so where did this uh, this love for animals come from, Kali? Growing up, I mean, um, I, I, I wished a lot when I was a kid. Hmm. Um, and that was a, that gave me a love for the outdoors because obviously you grow up in a housing estate and even at that, now I, I say I grew up in a house and say, but, but you have to remember, like, Crumlin would have been like the Lucan of the day mm. back when I was up in the 80s. It was, it was, everybody had gardens. So even though there was houses everywhere, there was hedgehogs and frogs and shit mm. everywhere, you know. It was, um, it was quite, and, and there was lots of parks and, you know, it was, it was only after being converted really in the last 30 years before probably I was born from a rural area from a small village on the outskirts of Dublin into this kind of housing, housing, uh, housing estate that, uh, for people to live who basically moved all moved out from the inner city in Dublin. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I love that. Um, I loved collecting slugs and snails in granny's biscuit tins, <laughs> seeing them lay eggs and stuff. And then you're watching Attenborough when you're a kid, which was mind blown. And then, you know, uh, obviously I'd go pick up books. Um, and I said, as I said, my family were very encouraging. I remember once a friend of the family um, from England, Michael O'Sullivan, he gave us an animal encyclopedia. And the thing was thick, like you, like one of those wizard books you'd see in a movie, like, you know, the real <laughs> everything. It went from A, a to Z and gave a fairly detailed account of... Um, of the, everything on, on the earth, I think it was a Britannia, um, leather bound, everything, you know, the works of Savage. But I remember going through that, like, page by page and looking at stuff and just, yeah, that, that really sparked an interest in me, which I had throughout everything in my life. I mean, throughout, when I, when I, one of my tranches I had here, Vivian, I moved out of my house with her when I was 20 and she's still here with me. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's weird. Um, I had that. I had always had that. When I when I I have had understanding flatmates when I moved to to live with me pals. I, I my room was like a jungle. I'd have everything in it: piranhas and spiders and giant frogs. Yeah, and well, it's um, it's the it's the fascination then with, with like because obviously I would associate you with like insects and reptiles and you know and uh, arachnids and stuff. Uh, and and I know you love all animals because I've seen your stuff on Instagram and things like that where you you clearly have a love for all all animals. But what was the fascination for you about the insects and and was that was that more to do with the the environment you grew up in that the insects were kind of obviously more abundant than other kind of animals? Yeah, well, that's actually a very good point, and I never thought of that. So fair play to you. Um, it probably was accessibility. <laughs> yeah, it seems stayed. And I remember. Um, yeah, I remember vividly remember as a kid, and I don't remember much about being a kid to be honest with you. So, my uh, my friends and my family seem to remember, but I do remember vividly like collecting uh, 
you know, stuff that was available, beetles and spiders. I remember sitting for hours in front of spider webs. Sounds a bit too, but you pick up fake ants and throw them into the webs and just watch spiders wrapping them up and stuff like that. Yeah. And I found that really, really fascinating. Um, pet spider was, was a house spider, a giant house spider you'd find behind the fridge. And just having that and just being able to feed it and watch it lay its eggs again about them. And then when I found out I been mute in uh, George GRK up, like one of the first pet shops to really start bringing in more exotic stuff that wasn't a pigeon or a hamster kind of, you know. And I picked up a, a newt from, from Asia uh, and I was stuffed. I was blown away by it. I was just like, this is incredible. Then I found out, yeah, but uh so there was a lot of there was a lot of hidden boxes full of tarantulas around the around the house that no one knew about <laughs> the fortunate thing about tarantulas is they they're quite happy to live in so, yeah. oh right i have um i have a confession fun I said it probably was accessibility, as, as you were saying, but also, I'm going to be totally honest with you, I find them extremely, as, you know what I mean, extremely, I just think they're awesome. I just think they're a little window into a time before even our ancestors existed. were small primates, there were giant centipedes, there were spiders, there was... There was reptiles, amphibians. There was, you know, newts the size of crocodiles yeah. in the Antarctic. So that sort of stuff. When I'm when I'm caring for these animals, or when I'm talking to people about them and trying to like big them up, um, yeah, I mean that's what I'm talking about. That's what really it, it's it's uh, that's. I just think they're awesome. I think they're cool, fascinating. Of all animals, don't get me wrong, but. Uh, yeah. It, nothing really compares to to for me to, to these animals. They're just so cool. I've a, I've a confession to make, Holly. Um, I was thinking about this yesterday. It was funny. I didn't think about it when I was thinking about asking you on and when you said you'd come on. The 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 spider that you're talking about there with the hairy legs. I can't say that word. It's one of those words that I cannot. You know, everybody has a word. I I can't say it. It's, it's so. <laughs> the t- I, was, <laughs> I was thinking, how am I gonna? You know. Bring this up uh, with Connie, <laughs> like you know, but it's okay. Because, well, you did very well. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll just say the T word and we can go from there. So, Collie, um, what this love for animals and, and with the, the insects and spiders you have, there is the research out there that dogs and cats have benefited people's mental health as well as horses, but they're obviously the more standard uh, domestic animals. Um, is having insects and spiders and all the things that you have, does that benefit your mental health? 100%. Um, it's 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 it, I don't do specifically for mental health, but it's a wonderful byproduct of keeping these animals because um when you have a large collection of um tarantulas and uh, arachnids and frogs and stuff, you're always gonna have issues with something. You're always gonna have work to do, you're gonna have to have humidity to check, you're gonna have babies being born or breeding pa- uh, programs going on. There's always something to be doing and it's it's all the worries of the day are left once you close that door, my my little lab door, my shed door. I close that door and then I get into the work of just caring for the animals. And it's that kind of it's that flow state um, that you that you get if you're into if you're into football and you're doing heads and volleys and practicing that, or if you're into art and you're painting the picture, if you're into music and you're putting together some 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 tunes. It's the same thing, regardless of what you're passionate about. But if you're if you're focused on your job or your your passion, and you're enjoying it, the weight of the world just drifts away, and you're just concentrating on something that you care about. And it's as I said, it's a really lovely byproduct of doing something that I that I care about, and uh, it's it's great. It's it's a real. Um, it's a real weight off your shoulders. The other thing about animals is caring for animals, be it as taking your dog for a walk or <laughs> feeding a feeding a, a, a seven foot boa. <laughs> you, you you have to do it. It's not like going to the gym 
or as I said, painting a picture or doing the heads and volleys. It's not like that in the sense that if you don't do it, animals, living creatures will suffer. So that makes you get your arse off the couch, even if you're feeling a bit low. As I said, um, it just it gives you that kind of motivation because you haven't got a choice. You know, uh, it's it that's your that's your your obligation is to care for these animals. A lot of the animals I would have taken on were actually neglected pets or unwanted pets in the end. So. Yeah, they they came they came here for a better life and and that's what I'm giving them. Um, yeah. So you know it, it it really is motivation to to get up even when you're having a, a a crappy day of which we're all having a lot of crappy days lately with the pandemic. Mm. Still gets me up and I go out and I will put on some some nice tunes or put on a good audio book and just get into the get into the work and hours can go by. And I'll come back in and I'll feel so much better about the whole thing. So, um, about the whole thing, I mean, about like everything in general, yeah. it just, just, just helps melt it all away, if that makes sense. No, it does. It absolutely does. It's, it's like, uh, like you say, flow states are in, you can find them in so many different things. And even you can find them in conversations. Like, I'm sure you know all that. Like, you know, just that kind of thing that I've had with this podcast where I've uh, gone into a conversation with people and you, you look down at the, the time and it's like an hour has gone and you're like, you know, I don't know where that went. Right. I love it. You know, it, it's, it's brilliant. But let me just uh, get into this ad, Colleen, and we'll get back to it. Okay. Um, so Fusion Training Center, Monksland Athlone, a place to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, martial arts and CrossFit. A great atmosphere with experienced coaches and a real sense of community. If you want to join the team, find us on Fu- Facebook at Fusion Training Center or drop in for a chat. Fusion Training Center, train like a warrior. I hope they don't rec- realize that I made a big mistake in the middle there. But that's all right. Listen, obviously the gyms aren't open at the moment. We all know that. Um, but when they are, great place to train. Fusion can't uh, speak highly enough of it. So, um, so let's get back to it. Kali, what are your um, the main kind of I suppose functions in the Herpetological Society? Um, so the, the Herpetological Society, um, we're a group of scientists and. Um, civilians who are interested in in conservation particularly in native uh, herpifauna which would be our frogs newts and our lizards now we don't have many <laughs> we only have a couple of species of of uh, reptiles and amphibians in ireland because we're so cold uh, as a country and the, the ice age kind of made sure we didn't get all the beautiful uh, european species uh, onto the island it wasn't saint patrick but uh, <laughs> Uh, we the ones we do have are very precious and, and and that's what we do as a group to protect them my gig in there is i rob gondola is our is our chief science officer and Catherine henry is our is our president at the moment and they are both herpetologists um, and both fantastic at looking after conservation and coming up with great projects and between us all, the whole lot of us, uh, we 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 strive to get two or three decent projects in a year. Mm. Um, we're very much a hands-on organisation. So we're what at the moment what we're doing is we're working with um, Dublin City Council. We're trying to improve wetlands and parks, restoring old ponds, um, we're trying to create wetlands in 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 some areas that there haven't been, um, to give homes to isolated populations of amphibians uh, in, in and around the Dublin area. It's very localised at the moment um, because obviously that's all we can work on mm. and, and COVID has scuppered a lot of our projects we were supposed to do this, our last year and this year but uh, essentially that's what we do and my role in, in, in the organisation is to, to get my hands dirty and get stuck in and get it to, to, to get that work done with Rob and uh, do some public outreach as much as we can, try and encourage people to create habitats in their own spaces that if they have them, if they're fortunate enough to have a garden, build a pond. That's the sort of stuff we've been doing um, for the last, I think we're nearly 12 years doing it now. And uh, it's it's very rewarding. It's great to work with such a, a, a lovely bunch of people and we've be kind of become a very tight knit. Mm. We all have the same 
frame of mind when it comes to like doing practical conservation as opposed to there's nothing wrong with tweeting about conservation all day but actions speak louder than tweets <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what i mean um, a frog can't spawn in a tweet so <laughs> we uh we we try and do um more hands-on practical work than we do um giving out about stuff on social media but it is both are important but yeah um yeah. so that's basically it that's 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 the gig and that's what we yeah. do you know how hard is it to to you know uh, as well as conservation goals um how hard is it to protect areas of biodiversity in in urban areas in particular it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um, it's a, it's a, an ever ending battle. I mean, most of the councils want the photo shoot, and they want the headline saying that they're improving nature because you know people are aware more now, more so now than ever, that that biodiversity is in decline and habitats are being destroyed. And especially now, I think. The one good thing out of the pandemic is people are realizing how important their parks and green spaces are. So, mm, for sure. And, and, and we try to teach people that, like, a, a, a nice park with one tree in it and a big green field isn't rich for nature. It's, yeah. it's a green desert. And when people become more aware of that, you see projects springing up in my own area in Tallinn now. They're starting to build um, small little micro forests along these green greenways. Um, small little tiny little forests of native yeah. woodland and it's great now they're only 10 meters long or whatever but it's great that birds and animals will have these little hopping stones to move from mm. one area to another um but I, to, I, got, I went a bit off track there but to get answer your question it really is difficult um because as i said it's all about greenwashing nowadays it's all about getting your 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 photograph out on facebook or your photograph in the paper saying we're doing this for nature there's very little follow through with it. Mm. Um, and our difficulty is holding, um, not, we, obviously you want, you, you need to work, um, with, with local councils and government. But also you have to kind of keep chasing them. Yeah. If you don't chase them and you don't hold them to account for what they promised, they won't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just won't happen. You know what I mean? So that's the difficulty. It's like you propose something. Everybody says yes. There's a press release. And then it's kind of like, okay, so when is this going to happen? And then there's the difficulty of like, well, because you know yourself, local authorities are so layered. Somebody at the top might mightn't have the same passion for the person that you proposed it to, and of course. gets very political then. And it's 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 difficult. It really is difficult. Now, I think as people retire and as new people move in. Mm. Attitudes, attitudes will change within these organizations. I also think that as difficult as it is, you still need to bite your tongue and get on with the work and just try to meet halfway. If they want the photo shoot and the press release saying, um, we're doing this for nature. That's grand. Go ahead with that, but just make sure they follow through. Yeah. And that's a happy medium. Then everybody's happy. Uh, and more importantly, the, the, the wildlife is happy. What can, um, what could I do? What can, what can my neighbor do as a kind of a small move? I know you mentioned uh, ponds in the backyard there, but like, what, what can we do to kind of help? Yeah. I mean, Google is your friend. Um, hmm. We get contacted every day about like, how, how do I build a pond and, and how do I make uh recently we got contacted about, I've, I've, I've a few, you know, a, a few hundred acres or whatever. And I want to turn it into, you know, wilderness for nature. Right. And it's kind of like my, my, my short answer always is, well, you know, there's a lot of young talented ecologists out there who are just out of college. You can employ one of them give somebody a job and I know a lot of them I know a lot of zoology graduates from Trinity who are fantastic young enthusiastic people who would gladly take on a project like that um, short of that if you're not willing to, to pay somebody who's who's qualified um, Google it <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean there's so much there's so much advice online there's so much video references and documentaries made and you know, and short of that, if you if you haven't got access to the internet or a library card, the best thing you can do for nature is leave it alone. Mm. I mean, um, if you left your own garden alone, 
it will be overgrown and unsightly t- to see, but uh, birds and bugs will love it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I think the best thing if you do, if, again, if you're fortunate enough to have your own garden, is to pick up a book on, you know, nature-friendly gardening, wildlife gardening. Um, I have a wildlife garden. It's It's basically a swamp. But there is an area at down the bottom where we can sit and um, we I have it shaped in a way that uh, we can go out and have a nice summer dinner um, and enjoy ourselves. And still all the bees and bugs will be flying mm. around us and everybody's happy, you yeah. know, whether yeah. it's like a few doors down or uh, most people's gardens, they'd have a patio with pebbles and a couple of flower pots and that's not good for nature um what my point is you you don't have to have you don't have to decide between nature and yourselves you can incorporate your own uh relaxation needs and your needs for just sitting out and reading a book and just being comfortable in your own garden you can incorporate that into a wildlife garden no problem it's very doable and it looks neat as well it's cool yeah that's deadly um there is this, there is a question I always kind of think about uh, when I'm talking to people about animals and stuff, and I just wanted to ask you uh, for your opinion, right? Do you think our understanding of arachnids and, and reptiles has been hampered a bit by the vilification of the species in Disney movies in particular? Yeah, I suppose. Um, I, I know a few people, I have good, good friends who study hyenas and they get really mm. <laughs> in their bonnet over how hyenas are portrayed in, in Disney movies and especially in The Lion King yeah. um, and vultures as well, they were portrayed badly um, my buddies are singing, they must have heard me talk about vultures there but um, I don't know if you can hear them in the background, they're very they're right. board. Yeah, they're grand um, but uh, no uh, I think regardless of media portrayals of uh, spiders and and snakes and stuff like that. I don't think there'd be much difference in the way people perceive them. And I think it's largely down to genetic fears and, and learned fears because our great, great, great uh, grandfathers and grandmothers are only alive because they were afraid of big snakes and spiders. Yeah, yeah, that's they, fair. That, that genetic fear and that that knowledge was somehow passed down. That's my own theory. Yeah, uh, I think I think there's a mixture of of learned fear and of you know inbred genetic fear of you know these these creatures. I believe I heard anecdotally and that they've taken photographs of spiders and shown them to. Inuit kids who'd never have contact with them and they flinch, you know, because yeah, it's just so, some of the kids would. So it's, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I wouldn't blame. I tell you one thing though, I remember arachnophobia came out and everybody went nuts <laughs> over spiders. Yeah. I remember having to hide, hide everything I had away in, in my gaff back in the day, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant though. That was a great film. That was a great film. I love it, I absolutely love it. It's so it's so unrealistic, but yeah. uh, it's still great, it's fantastic. It's silly, like, but yeah, silly but enjoyable, um, kind of thing. But I was watching, you know, this is another thing. I, my my dad is usually into wildlife programs, he loves them. He, I would have seen them growing up through through him, and uh, we talk about the uh, how modern technology has become so important in us learning about uh, um, you know animals in general so the tiny little cameras they can get in now where they could never get before and I saw these these two spiders yesterday or the day before yesterday on, on TV and so obviously eight legs but uh, the male had two six legs and two kind of um, almost like flipper things uh, padded um, like a leaf we'll say and he would wave it for the female yeah, you yeah. Know the one peacock spiders Incredible. Peacock spiders, yeah, colorful, colorful little fellas, yeah, doing their little dance. They look like, uh, for anybody who's listening, and it's hard to describe, but if, if you see the guys with the flags who are waving in airplanes, you know, yeah. they're directing airplanes and the thing that's exactly what the males do to the females, and they're kind of directing them over for the ride. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but you know what was so funny about that? Like, when you say directing them for the ride, like the ones that would, if the female kept chasing the male. Then the, that, the male didn't want that because then they thought, well, she could kill me. Whereas the ones who would see the pad, they'd look at it and say, oh, I'll chill here until he comes back. I just like I've never seen those yeah. before, obviously. And and I think like that, I suppose that's my point about 
Attenborough and what he kind of brought in and what the, the money that was put into in the modern technology, how we can see so much more now. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I mean, like, you know, I suppose in all the generations of all the generations, I sound like I'm 100 years old, but in, in 10 years of watching kids, uh, uh, students graduate from uh, from zoology and Trinity, the, the one kind of common denominator in everybody is the, the Attenborough and the documentaries and the stuff he made and him and Irwin, I suppose, um, and uh, but particularly Attenborough and, you know, how many generations of ordinary kids who wouldn't be well-to-do have been enthused and, and, you know, fallen in love with nature because of his work, because of the cameraman, because of the, the new technology, as you said. Um, how many generations have, have, have gone out now into, into a pretty tough career, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard graft. It's, it's more of a vocation than a, than a job being honest with you because positions it's flooded out there the market positions are hard to get there's a lot of competition um, and you really have to work hard and I've seen good friends of mine and I still see good friends of mine that I, I, I care about dearly and I watch them and I, I just have nothing but admiration about how much work they've put in to get into positions where a lot of them are still working for minimum wage and doing mm massively important conservation work and studies yeah. on various different subjects and you know and I you know I, I'm so fortunate that I'm in like I'm in a position where I'm, I'm working a, a regular job and still working the security shifts but I still get to do this other stuff on as well I don't know if I'd have the the to stay the stick to itiveness, as they say, <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 you know the passion. I yeah. hope I would, but I don't know if I would have mm. the passion that these these people have to do that. Um, uh, it's it's very admirable. And again, yeah. I think I think as you said, uh, Attenborough, all the BBC Natural History Unit, um, our own Natural History Unit in yeah. Ireland, like 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 um, crossing the line movies and and, and and stuff. They've done some great work, like. Rob, my pal from the Herpological Society, Rob Gondola, did a great series, um, Wild Ireland and Wild um, Wild Cities. He did the Dublin one. And my God, that was some great wildlife documentary making. It's on the RT player. I recommend you check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's really, really good. And it's great to see a real dub <laughs> doing doing a wildlife documentary as well. So, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic resource. And also, you know, they can be quite devastating and show how mm. much we're screwing up things as well. So, yeah, um, important, important work. Yeah. So then, Colly, what, what um, re regards to your role over there in Trinity, you're, absolutely, you're a researcher over there, is that right? Yeah, research associate. So basically, okay. if I get the signal and they... They, they need me to, to help out. Um, it's mainly what I would do is displays, talks. Um, I do public outreach every year at the BT Young Scientist for the, for the science uh, department in Trinity, focusing on zoology, focusing on explaining to students what the courses entail, what careers they could ch uh, chase up, um, that kind of stuff then. If if a student is working on a project that involves creepy crawlies or snakes, um, and they need access to them, I I, I can provide that, and mm. um, provide advice on their behaviour, correct husbandry during their care, um, all that kind of stuff, um, and and then like every year there's an entomology mo module, so I'll bring in crickets and beetles and show them, tell a few tall tales about them. Just it's fair. It's I, one of the students described me as Hagrid years ago, and I kind of stuck. Um, so yeah, I I just go with that. It's a very yeah. easy explanation to say what I do. It's literally the same kind of thing, you know. So how are they like the interaction then with the students um, with the animals? Obviously, that's something they're trying to pursue anyway. But if you're bringing in stuff that maybe they haven't seen up close and personal, as it as it were, um, how is the, how are they interacting wise with them? Deadly. I mean, I think yeah. they they really get a kick out of it. Um, 
it's not something every college has and i think it's it really is it's enjoyable obviously but it's also um it's a valuable kind of it's, it's valuable to them it's to, to be able to to physically touch something as opposed to look at it in a book to 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 see different uh, parts of its anatomy and to to get a sense of scale there's another thing weight <laughs> the, you know the texture of an animal it's yeah I, I think I just think it's it's they really enjoy it I've, I've never heard anyone complain about it they, they seem to really get a kick out of it and um, yeah it's always a, it's always a buzz looking at somebody's face light up when you hand them a snake for the first time or they they pick up a giant toad or yeah it's really good yeah. Deli, um so can you give us an idea then of some of the species that you have in your your own shed um so i've 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 numerous species of tarantula um the t word um <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've got five different species of scorpions two species of scolopendra which are giant um centipedes uh, centipedes so oh. i've got millipedes snails uh, cane toads, common toads, uh, um, what else have I got? 12 different types of snake. Like I've got a lot of different <laughs> youth salamanders. Uh, I had a chameleon up until recently I, I rescued, but he unfortunately passed away. And, and I've got like budgies, <laughs> as you can hear. <laughs> and then like you're getting into like, I've got numerous different species of cockroaches and feeder feeder animals that mm. go on to feed uh, other ones and then small lizards a lot of small lizard species as well so yeah a lot wow. a lot of animals and then and then in the garden we have all our native our native um species of of amphibian not all of them we don't have the uh we don't have the natterjack toads we do have newts and and frogs so yeah you did you did have a bit of a battle with a heron then uh was it a heron that you was Yes, I've, I've been keeping people occupied or entertained during the, the pandemic with the heron that keeps, he's decided, he decided a couple of years ago uh, to, to, I think it's three years now we're into this war. Um, <laughs> it's been a dark, it's been a dark time for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> <And> the heron. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's decided that uh, my pond is good eating because obviously the pond is there. There's lots of frogs and newts in it. And he comes down and he snacks them. He he used to eat my goldfish, but I put covers on the goldfish pond, which is separate. Right. And then he discovered that the frogs were there, so so I I netted the pond. He pulled it. No, I went out and I bought the fake heron. That didn't work. He tried to he tried to either kill it or have sex with it. I couldn't really decide what he was doing. <laughs> um, I bought a fake owl and and bird of prey. That didn't work either. Um, so I've allowed a collection of fake boards if anybody wants them. Um, I, I I netted the pond, and then he. There's a wonderful video I put up on Twitter of me coming up to find a net wrecked. Like he actually pulled it apart, um, and then and then promptly flew onto my roof and started mocking me. He shit on my car. He's left feathers on the doorstep. I, he's, it really is a running battle between me and this heron, and to the point that I actually had to put like piano wire across the garden to try and stop him from landing on it but uh, he always finds a way around it and um, it is a uh, it's giving people great entertainment though when i when i i'm sitting on the couch and i look out the window and he's literally sitting on the neighbor's roof staring um, at the yeah. garden <laughs> that was my first introduction to you obviously i heard you talking to blind boy and then and then um when i started following you then obviously i saw this this daily battle battle with the heron um <laughs> i also saw you uh obviously you show um you feeding your your um the t-word you know and yeah. I, I think <laughs> do you know what the, the thing that kind of uh, struck me i suppose is the, the there's two different ones that you posted up quite recently so if anybody wants to follow collie it's collie and uh, on, on instagram but you put up the two different kind of species of um uh the t-word and just the speed of them uh, you mm. you leave an insect dangling there on a on the end of a tweezers, would that be right? Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the so that spider in particular was a um, a Goliath board eater. It's the biggest uh, spider in the world. Oh, um, so about the size of a dinner plate when fully grown, and she's she's getting there, and yeah, and it, it, for to look at their health and to look at their 
the condition of their body to see if they're about to molt. That's another important thing because when they molt, they're quite weak. Um, mm. So even if you had a cricket and you just threw it in with them and she's at their molting, the cricket could eat her <laughs> while she's molted. You know what mm. I mean? Have a, have a munch in her and she'll bleed out and die. So to get a good look at her every so often, what I'll do is get the long tweezers and just put cricket in it. She'll go after the cricket, but I can draw out to make her come out of our burrow, which she'll, most terrestrial tarantulas will live in burrows. Um, and it gives gives me an opportunity to have a good look at her. And again, um, I, I love taking videos and showing how cool they are. I love yeah. showing I love showing like how amazing they are as creatures, and people seem to enjoy it. Um, I, I try to keep my Twitter either, you know, what I mean, just I try to keep it as sometimes I love to get into political stuff or to yeah. comment on things, and then I'm like, Do you know what? There's enough people doing that, and I just try and keep it nature-based or a bit of fun mm. and, 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 and give people a little break from the, the, the doom scrolling, as they say. Yeah, yeah, I think... So, yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, that, and, and when I have the opportunity to shoot a very cool spider or a very cool animal, an action of an animal or an interaction with an animal that people wouldn't normally have the opportunity to come across, I'll do it. And yeah. Yeah, again, it, it seems to give uh, people a little bit of enjoyment. So why not? Oh, I, th- I think they're deadly pictures because again, it's that close <laughs> up of it that we don't get to see usually, and mm. the colours and how you know. To me, it's it's fascinating, and, and I didn't quite know what it, you've explained there now with the way you get to look at them when they do come out. So they might grab the uh, they grab the cricket, but they the you leave the. the the pincers there and they can come out a little bit further so it gives you a, a chance to have a bit of a yeah it gives me a look and I, I can see like if she's darkening up on her abdomen that means she's going to go for a molt uh, in, a, in a month or so so I know how to feed her up or in a couple of weeks and I know how to feed her up then and then just leave her alone like I mean it's gas because I put up photographs of a, like I have a, 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 a king baboon um, spider mm. tarantula from Africa um, who I've seen Three times in the last four years because she lives in a borough. Um, it's a pet. We we call them pet holes. In uh, tarantula collectors will call them pet holes, and that that's that sounds weird to people, but that's showing the husbandry is correct. The animal is perfectly happy because they're behaving the way they would in the world. So when anyway, when she comes out the odd time, I get so excited, and it's like. It's like Fashion Week in Paris. I'm just banging photographs out and taking for just just delighted with myself because, like you know, in her in her twenty years of life, I as I said, I might only get to see her ten times or something. Mm. You know what I mean? It's incredible. It's, it's strange. It is strange, but uh, yeah, and it, you know, you, you can get a nice shot of an animal and in your Twitter post give it two lines of a little bit of interesting facts about their natural mm. history like i used to read in a uh, animal facts encyclopedia and you know uh yeah it gives people a little bit of like, something different i suppose it does uh yeah i like this is the thing about it, like because i have you know had my dad when he used to watch a lot of wildlife programs so i saw a lot when i was young and growing up um uh, anything that's a way and i get you what you're saying about the politics thing because this is a mental health podcast. I'm not, I want to get involved in something political. If someone says something that, you know, strongly disagree with whatever, for whatever reason, I then remember, no, I'm put, put out some sort of positive vibe all the time. There, like you said, yeah. there's enough, there's enough of the negative stuff. We don't need it from everyone. Like, you know, um, so how, how time consuming and like costly, I suppose, how, is it to, to run the shed out there? I, I don't, I try not to think about costs because right. if I did, I'd probably, I'd probably cry. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, there's a lot of overtime shifts are done <laughs> to cover electricity bills and stuff. Um, and there's food every week. Um, it, I try and use my kitchen waste to feed cockroaches, to feed other animals as much as I can. But, you know, uh, it's pricey. It's not. It's not cheap. Um, but again, it's just some people who go out and you know spend money on horses or whatever gives them pleasure. And like, it, it's. I think I'm doing good with it. Um, trying to put some positivity out in the world. Definitely trying to help some some creatures have a, a decent, fairly relaxing life. They have a really good life. Most of them. Yeah. 
And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that time wise. I have to watch it because I do have teenagers uh, who are growing up very fast, and I'm starting to get turned into one of those fathers who's looking back at photographs on Facebook, nearly crying because me my little babies are turning into stretch Armstrong. Um, so I have to watch it. And what I've been doing lately is is kind of going out later at night, um, like d- doing from from eleven to one or something like that, or to two. Hmm. Um, again, I have to watch that though because sometimes it'd be eleven till four, and you're like, why? Yeah. The, why did the time go? Um, but yeah, it's very time consuming. So, hmm. it, really, organization organization is key. No pads. Who's been fed? Times and dates set down. So you're not second guessing yourself. So you can just get in and go right, boom, 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 get the work done, check everything, and get out as 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 reasonably fast you can as you can while doing it the correct amount of uh, work. Yeah, if that makes sense. Enough, yeah. Um, right. So this is a kind of probably the question you've been asked by loads and loads of people. But can you? What is the most amazing fact that you've learned about? Animals, I suppose, in general, but maybe more about what your your specialty is um, in arachnids or or amphibians. Oh, there's so many. I mean, I like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I suppose, I suppose, the bombardier beetle is one of the best things in nature. I think um, he is an exploding arse. Uh, <laughs> it's a fantastic animal. When it gets attacked, it has two two separate. Um, two separate pockets in its body full of chemicals. And when it's attacked or hassled, it can mix these chemicals in its abdomen. And its backside will literally pump out this hot, almost like scalding hot, acidic kind of juice. And it will burn, really badly burn, any predator that comes near them. And I just think that's that's amazing. It's actually one of those animals that creationists use a lot to, to kind of disprove uh, evolution because they're saying this is so complex how could evolution come up with it? which is like it's easily explainable but yeah yeah but it, 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 <laughs> what, what is it a bombardier bombardier beetle bombardier yeah, check, beetle. Out and check, check it out on, on youtube because um they have some great videos of, of it of it kicking off and frogs trying to eat them and then just literally getting violently sick because <laughs> beetles oh. it's it's yeah I, that's a, it's that's funny. A, it's a it's a very very good little uh, thing. Arachnids, though, like I mean, arachnids. From studying them, it's like every year they find out something cool about. Them. I mean, only recently they found out that spiderlings they do this thing called ballooning. They 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 send out some tread into the air. They're tiny little things, less than a, a millimeter in size. And then the the heat off the ground or the wind will catch the tread and take them up into the air. And they can change the height they're traveling at by changing the shape of their body and and wow. land in freshly made volcanic islands. They travel for miles and miles in the stratosphere. There's so much, so many cool uh, tricks and uh, and cool things. Yeah, look, we could do another podcast. Yeah, on that. no, that's that's that's. That's what my own podcast is all about. Just like that's, literally, that's just, I want to ask you about that, Kali. What's the name of your podcast, and when did you start it? Um, so I am. I was fortunate enough to meet um, Colette Kinsler, who's a fantastic radio producer. Um, I was working on a project on with her on the lizards of the native lizards of Ireland, mm. and we went out to Bull Island, and I did the 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 show with her. And afterwards, she said, why don't you consider doing a podcast? And I had no technical savvy, no interest in podcasts apart from listening to them. Um, and I said, yeah, sure, maybe that would be something to do. And fair play to her. I mean, we, we followed through on it. And we are consistently in the top 10 UK and Ireland nature podcasts. Maybe. Generally in Ireland, we're in between myself and, and, and Derek Mooney um his podcast on, on RTE um between ourselves and him we are either one or two every episode so we've got a great listenership for a pretty specialized podcast. I mean like we do we do talk a lot about um the weirder and we try to promote the weirder and more wonderful side of nature. But like I mean this this week's episode I, I had a, a friend of mine from Trinity on 
um, who's a historian and she's studying how the animals were treated in the ancient Roman games. I mean, and yeah. it's just like, so I can go from talking about, you know, uh, the reproduction habits of jumping spiders in one episode to talking about gladiator, gladiators fighting mm. bears in the Colosseum. Um, and I like that. We have a really good wide spectrum even though we're specialized and yeah people seem to really love it. we've got listeners all over the world and love it i really love doing it it's so called it's very good. what it's from the critter shed it's called the critter shed the yeah. critter shed i think what's great what you said there and my uh, coach said this about this podcast was obviously primarily mental health but we expanded into something that we could have a guest on each week chat about mental health but then chat about what their specialty is and, and that and i think what's cool about you mentioning what you, uh, the critter shed is your specialist subject would be one thing, but you obviously go outside of that. Like, and I did see that your post yesterday about about the uh, the 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 Roman the animals in the in the Roman time that had the treatment, and that's like that's class as well because um, you didn't just leave it uh, with you know critters if you want to go with that. Yeah, but no, like you no, definitely not. Everything. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, like initially, I suppose my biggest fear was we run out of stuff to talk about, and now it's just like we haven't got enough time to cover everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and, and look, come here, like, again, I don't like the terminology expert. Um, okay. Some people do, would call me a, an expert, but like, I mean, I, I I work with experts. Like I work with people like Rob and in the Herpetological Society or, or the, the wonderful lecturers in, in Trinity. I, I would consider myself more of an enthusiast. Right. <laughs> um, um, I just feel like I'm always learning. I'm always learning new stuff. I'm always picking up new stuff. I might know a little bit more than other people, but but when it comes to most of the people I'm talking to on the Critter Shed, uh, the great thing is I haven't a clue either. <laughs> so I'm going in as, as a guy who's passionate about certain types of animals. But like if I'm talking to a shark expert or, um, or an expert in venomous snakes, mm. which I wouldn't be... I wouldn't keep venomous snakes, but if I'm talking to them, Bill, I am enthusiastic and Colette, uh, who's my co-host as well as my producer, is enthusiastic and we're yeah. buzzing off the fact that we have this expert in <laughs> yeah. telling us. And I think that takes people along on the ride a little bit, you know what I mean? It's it's more entertaining and, and, and also like we don't keep it very highbrow. We, we, we talk the way we talk if we yeah. meet somebody in a pub or in a cafe. And I, I think that's the best approach. I think it's really important. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't <laughs> like to be, uh, the, I don't like the idea of scripted podcasts and things. It's not for me. I like to have like, no. you know, obviously I like to have questions and there has to be a tiny bit of order just in case you're finished uh, something and I don't have something to come back on immediately. But I, mm. uh, but I do like the fact that we have a conversation. There's a flow to it. It's just a, it's for a better listen and you feel like you're part of the conversation almost. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the stuff I start. I love listening to podcasts where it's just like a conversation between two people. Mm. I can listen to people talking about stamp collecting. I, I love passion. I love people who are yeah. passionate about anything. Again, it's like I can, I can get what they're about because I have a few things in my life. I'm fortunate enough to have a few, a, couple of hobbies four hobbies or so that i'm passionate about that i love doing and i really get it when people are talking about even if i'm not into that particular thing um i i, I get it tell us about your hobbies actually outside of uh, animals then uh martial arts is a massive thing in my life mm. always been doing it since i was a kid uh i've i've i coach up in a small karate club um I've got a, a couple of gyms I go visit as well um, and training mm. and just have great friends in them. And, and it's like, now I'm, I'm older now. I'm not fighting or I'm not doing what I used to do when I was younger. But uh, yeah, I still just, it, it, it's just, I always feel better after working out. It's mm. such a cliche, but it's the truth. Um, it I just feel yeah. great. Yeah, it's just, it's it's great. It's it's a good, healthy mix with people. Um, I met my wife through martial arts my kids oh, okay. do martial arts uh some most i mean half my best friends are from you know what i mean from that from that game and, yeah. and my whole life i wouldn't be doing anything in my life if i haven't got if i hadn't got that kind yeah. of a bit of, bit of discipline because i'm a wild motherfucker like i'm crazy like I, I i need something to keep me in line uh 
and, and martial arts kind of does give me that. Um, yeah, the discipline nature of it. Yeah, it does, yeah. it does, because I need it. I need it. I do need it, because I'd, otherwise I'd just be out partying all the time. Because <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, a massive hobby. I love having the crack, um, yeah. uh, which is, you know, it's all good as well. Uh, and then, like, comic books, uh, pop mm. culture, stuff like that, movies, comic books, love that. I can see like it behind I, you there, the Batman. Uh, yeah, and Star Wars collections and Lego and stuff. Like, I'll, you know, I'll be eternally 15 in that way, in, in lots of ways, I suppose. But that's um, no bad thing. No, it's not. I mean, like, I talked to Blind Boy about this, and he was mm. saying, like, you know, it's important to keep that. Because I used to feel guilty about it, and it was kind of something, like, again, I wouldn't talk about much. But now it's like, I suppose, as you grow up, pop culture is such a massive thing nowadays. If you're not into it, you just yeah. seem a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The roles have reversed. Um, yeah, and what else? I mean, fishing. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Love going out fishing. Um, I feel very close to nature. I feel the guys I go fishing with, we're a small little fishing club, and we mightn't see each other for, one, for months on end, but when we get out, we just have such a great bit of crack and yeah it's 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 really it's good for the soul yeah it's very meditative as well and um so i would just want to actually talk to you because i know you you you're into your martial arts and obviously mcgregor is from your neck in the woods uh, up there in crumlin how how did you uh how did you see the fight last uh, weekend i got up um got up early and uh watched with the kids um i I used again (laughs) There would be a time where I would have stayed up all night and yeah. and, <laughs> and had a had a right old party, but I suppose with with the COVID thing, I couldn't meet up with friends and I just the, the WhatsApp groups. I'm finding them, uh, I'm finding them draining at the time at the moment. I think mm. if I suppose people probably think I might be rude on someone, but I've actually had to say to friends like I'm not being rude. I just it's it's kind of it's breaking my heart a little bit mm. because you'd rather be out chatting to people than yeah. just constant text and and uh yeah and it, it, it takes you out at the moment anyway just on the phone the whole time True, but yeah. uh yeah I, I i i yeah the fight was uh the fight was the fight and then them's the breaks i suppose um i i uh i i you can't help but like dustin Poirier. i mean he's a yeah he's, i remember watching Fightfield back in the day i don't know if you ever seen that documentary um, oh, it's well worth a watch. I think it's still mm-hmm. on Netflix, but it's basically him and a couple other fighters when they were like 18, like kids, mm-hmm. um, starting out in these shitty gyms and just the, the, the work they had to do. And obviously, Connor's come from the same kind of background and him and John coming up together through that, some story. And yeah. look, it's, 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 it's crap watching, um, crap watching anyone lose a fight especially when you know the work they put into it um i think he'd be back i think yeah. i think he's he's great at learning um learning from his mistakes in the in the in the cage and he's got a great team behind him and a great coach uh, and i think yeah i think he'd be back be interesting yeah. to see how it comes out now and the one it's great time to be into martial arts and be a martial arts <laughs> It's a fantastic time. It reminds me, I suppose, like our, our father's time watching Ali and Ken Norton and Joe Frazier. And, and like yeah. I used to have to watch grainy videos <laughs> yeah, yeah. of like all these great champions. And now we're living through a time where they're just so closely matched. It's just, you could probably have all those fights. You could probably have that fight, you know, a hundred times. And, I'd say it'd be 50-50 who'd win it, you know what I mean, by yeah, yeah. varying degrees. And I think yeah. it's the same with that 155 division. It's all very, very, very tight. It's brilliant. Yeah, great, great time. Yeah, it's brilliant. We, I was very, very lucky to talk to Philip uh, Mulpeter before the uh, McGregor fight he was on. We had Ashley and Daly on the week before that. So it was really nice to be able to talk to a couple of people who were in the game, who were in the game. Obviously, Ashley's mm. not now. But but um, the Honey Badger certainly is... Um, in Bellator and he would obviously have aspired with McGregor and stuff when they were younger and gone through the the SPG um world you know and to to hear them talking about Conor McGregor and, and what he um especially what he's done for uh, Philip Mulpeter I don't know if you know that story about him uh, yeah yeah I heard uh, yes yeah, amazing, amazing. That, 
you know that that kind of side of things we don't really highlight as much it's it the good news stories rarely um transfer over as quickly as the bad stuff you know and uh we talk a bit about we talked about about Connor being a divisive character and such but if you if you put him up on the world stage as as regards to um uh you know the UFC and MMA and what he's done being a double champion you know a few years back and stuff the thing is like when he comes up in in, in that fight last weekend um Dustin Poirier is an excellent fighter and there's a, there was a certain sense of because McGregor's McGregor um that people were kind of overlooking the skills that Poirier has shown over the last couple of years. Mm. And he uh, mm. has shown himself to be an incredible fighter. And like you say, there's a, there's about six or seven people in that 155 bracket now that are you could do a little tournament, a mini tournament. and oh, would, You wouldn't know what would happen. That's it. Like, crazy. You wouldn't yeah. know what's happened. Fucking, you, you could have, you know, 10-second knockouts to wars. Yeah, it's, it's just, true. it's mad. And it's, as I said, look, come here, it's, it's a great time to be a martial artist. I mean, like, and 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 a great time for kids getting into it. There's so many options with gyms. There's so many great instructors out there. Uh, SPG is a fantastic gym. My own young is up there training with the lads, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's a decent uh, jiu-jitsu player at the moment. And it's been great. You see the life lessons for him, like the tears after a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it's not it's not easy. The hardship of going from juniors into seniors or like, you know, from the baby club into yeah. like and getting strangled and choked out every class and coming back to me and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm saying, listen, this is part of the journey. You know, this is what life will do to you. Yeah. Um, and to transfer those lessons. Um, yeah. I mean, what a time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long way from doing karate on a cold second floor in a church hall yeah. when I was a kid. Uh, and, to, to see what people have done, especially like John Kavanagh, who, who's, a, who's a pal of mine and a, a really decent skin, um, to see what, again, sticking with it through all the shit, through all the negativity uh, and, and following his passion, following his dream, that inspires me, you know, mm. and it's 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 very cool, uh, very cool to see. Yeah, that's and again. Long may, long, long may it continue. Exactly, and again, it's that positive energy being put out there, and like even you speaking about your passions is positive energy putting out there, you know. But um, listen, Colly, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, I'm super. Very, you too. I'm so grateful for you, for you coming on. Um, just stay with me for one second. I'll get a photo. I'll just uh, close out this episode and be two seconds. All right. Yes. So um, I want to say thanks again to John for everything, for the, all the tech stuff that I don't know. Um, thanks to my mom, my dad, my granddad, to Jur and Calvin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so. If you're on YouTube now, hit subscribe. That'd be great. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're all on there under the Weekly Weekly. Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, etc. And uh, obviously, again, thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. Um, and thank you to Kali and all the birds that I can hear now properly. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it, man. All right, everybody, take care. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you.